This podcast is supported by Zoll LifeVest. Sudden cardiac death is a leading cause of mortality in low EF patients with heart failure or following a heart attack. Zoll is proud to partner with your care team to pursue better outcomes together. Visit LifeVestResults.com to learn more. Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the Cardiators, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with the mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to Section 4.6 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question is asked by student Dr. Shivani Reddy. Answered first by me, actually, and then answered by expert faculty, Dr. Eileen Handberg. Dr. Handberg is an adult nurse practitioner, professor of medicine, and director of the Cardiovascular Clinical Trials Program in the Division of Cardiovascular Medicine at the University of Florida. She has served as chair of the cardiovascular team section and the board of trustees with the ACC and is president of the PCNA. Welcome to Cardio Nerds, Dr. Handberg. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So today we have Mr. H.C., who's a 50-year-old man presenting for a routine clinic visit. He's not sure the last time he had a lipid panel drawn and would like one today. But he happened to eat lunch just prior to your appointment. And his lunch consisted of a delicious plate of 50% fruits and vegetables, 25% lean meats, and 25% whole grains, just as you had recommended. So, true or false, Mr. H.C. should return another day to obtain a fasting lipid panel. Rick, which one is it going to be? Shivani, this is an awesome question and something that I think any practitioner inside or outside of cardiology can really relate to. So, this statement and the answer is actually false. A non-fasting lipid panel is appropriate for the risk stratification and lipid evaluation in most patients per the ESC guidelines. While no level of evidence is provided in the ESC guidelines, this recommendation is consistent with the AHA ACC cholesterol guidelines, which have also largely moved away from fasting lipid panels for most patients and give a class one level of evidence B recommendation to obtain a fasting or non-fasting plasma lipid profile for ASCVD risk estimation and baseline LDL cholesterol in adults 20 years of age and older. The ESC recommendation is based upon large trials showing that results of fasting and non-fasting panels are largely similar. This is similar to the AHA ACC guidelines, which note non-fasting and fasting LDLC change minimally over time following a normal meal. While HDLC and triglycerides appear to have similar prognostic significance 
with cardiovascular outcomes in fasting and non-fasting states. A fasting lipid panel should be obtained in those with hypertriglyceridemia, metabolic syndrome, and diabetes mellitus, as consumption of food and drink can have a direct and immediate effect on triglycerides and blood glucose values. So our main takeaway here is that a non-fasting lipid panel is appropriate for the majority of patients undergoing lipid evaluation and cardiovascular risk stratification. Dr. Hamper, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts, though, and in particularly describing the changes in lipid panels with eating, the prognostic significance of fasting versus non-fasting lipid panels, and discussing the significance of some of the equations that we use to calculate LDL from a lipid panel, such as Friedwald or Martin Hopkins equation. Yeah, I think this is a really important issue because one of the things that we need to move forward with is to get people to get tested and to know their cholesterol values. That's probably as important as anything else. And with strong data showing that there really is not much prognostic difference between fasting and non-fasting samples, the priority is to see a patient in clinic say, you have a lot of risk factors. One of the issues we have to address is your cholesterol, and we should get it drawn today. And to be able to give the patient the lab slip, or now that we're in the EHR, put the lab's order in and have the patient get that on their way out the door. And I think getting that data is more important than some minor variations in the lipid panel that you might see fasting versus non-fasting. Where it does make a bit of difference is if you have a patient who has hypertriglyceridemia greater than 400 or kind of in this situation We've talked about previously in other sessions, very low LDL also makes a difference because remember that most labs now calculate LDL. It's not a direct assessment. And so the value would be a total cholesterol minus the HDL. And depending on whether this is millimoles or milligram per deciliter, it's 0.2 times the triglycerides. And so If you have a patient who has elevated triglycerides or low LDL, that makes a difference. And then if you have patients with those comorbidities, such as diabetes, where a diet makes a difference in terms of their blood sugars and their triglycerides, that's when you might want to think about perhaps getting a fasting sample. But Even in those patients, the value of knowing sort of where you're starting from, I think is the most important thing. And so getting those in context with a visit so that you can contact the patient within a day, you put that treatment plan in effect quicker. You don't have to wait, you know, for the patient to go do that a couple of weeks. A lot of times once they leave the office, they don't go to the lab. And so if you're telling them they have to fast, that's inconvenient. And so I think all of this results in better patient care and better and earlier risk reduction. Thank you so much, Dr. Hanberg, for sharing your expertise with us and for reminding us that what's important is to get those cholesterol lab data as soon as possible during the visit itself rather than delaying them. And also for helping us appreciate how LDL is calculated, as well as helping us understand the nuances for when to get the fasting lab panel. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Dr. Hanberg. And for those wanting a little bit more information on this discussion, you can find more information on this in the ESC Prevention Guidelines, Section 4.6.1, page 3275. Thank you again, Dr. Hanberg. 
My pleasure.